0: Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Have you ever heard voices in your head or a a voice in your head? It tends to happen to me about this time of year, Christmas time. I think it's a bit to do with eating too many fruit mince pies. Um, it could be the preservative and the brandy custard, I don't know, but when I'm getting up to about five or six, I start to hear voices and things seem to get uh, a little bit blurry. There was a man who heard a voice in his head uh, about 4,000 years ago in a place called Chaldea. Uh, he was a nomad living in the Middle East about that time and they realised that at that time there was no Bible. The Bible hadn't been written for, wouldn't be written for many hundreds or thousands of years. Uh, There were no preachers 4,000 years ago in Chaldea. There were not even anybody who could teach anybody else about God. Uh, Abram, was this man's name, was probably a moon worshipper. He probably had a number of gods, but it particularly in Ur, where he came from. It was a a place where the moon was worshipped, and he probably, as a a good citizen, was doing those things. But in the midst of that, a voice started to come to him. And over time, he began to recognise that this voice was actually God. And we're going to look at this morning at the journey that this man took in response to hearing this voice. This voice he came to recognise and trust as being that of God. And we read about it in Genesis chapter 12, so if you've got your Bibles there. We'll we'll get a couple of uh, chapters in Genesis this morning as we quickly see this journey of faith that this man took. But we read uh, in the middle of, uh, sort of at the end of chapter 11, uh, Abram is identified and there's a brief genealogy there, but then at the start of verse 12 it says... The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. At the time he was living in a place called Haran, which was probably quite a a civilized place. There's some evidence in the archaeology that it was actually, there was plumbing and, and paved streets. So it was, was quite civilised and, and, and God speaks to Abraham in this place and says, go from your country. He's saying, go, leave this civilization, this safety and go to a place that I'll tell you about later. So it was a, it was a geographical dislocation and he says, leave, go from your country, your people. And so it was also a, a sociological dislocation. He's saying, leave your identity. We identify ourselves as Australians. And so he was saying, you're no longer an Australian. Uh, You you, you leave that identity behind you, presumably, because I'm going to give you a new identity. And God said, leave your father's household. And so this was a, a safety dislocation. In those days, there was no welfare system. There was no center link. Your security came from your extended family. And and God says, I want you to leave where you live. I want you to leave your people. I want you to leave your security and go to a place that I will tell you about later. he goes on and brings a promise with this call. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Nowadays, we tend to think that long life, prosperity, wealth, success, family, come through either hard luck or hard hard work or luck. The biblical worldview says that those things come through the blessing of God. there's no such thing as luck and that the hard work might give you some you know it's a bit of a head start but it doesn't guarantee your success what guarantees your prosperity your peace your health your longevity your family is the blessing of God and that God blesses people and then God uses people to bless other people that is the way the Bible understands those things And so in light of that promise of blessing, in verse 4 we read, And so Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. When I'm 75 years old, I'm thinking slippers and a comfy chair. When Abram was 75 years old, God called him to leave his nice, comfortable city, to leave his family, and to leave his security, and to go to a place where God was calling him to. And so I think the call of God, the first thing we see from this, is the call of God can be for a person of any age. We read a little bit more of the story in Genesis 15, which in my Bible is just over the page. So some years have passed, and and Abraham has obeyed his God and left his home and his family and his security and gone out into the desert. And uh, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham again in a vision. Remember, there's no Bibles, there's there's no preachers, there's no teachers. This is the way that God is communicating with humanity at the beginning of his story. He says... Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord, again, came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's one of the most important bi- verses in the whole Bible. If you're into marking your Bible highlighters, but that's this, this is a yellow highlighter verse in your, in your Bible. Abraham believed the Lord. Now, when the Bible talks about belief, it's not talking about an idea. It's not talking about a set of doctrines. Sometimes people talk about being believers and all it is is that they know certain things or they believe certain things to be true. That's not what the Bible, when the, word, the Bible uses, when the word Bible uses belief, the word it's talking about is, is probably closer to trust or definitely to include the idea of acting in some way on the basis of what you believe. And, and Abram didn't just assent that, oh, yes, there is a God. He acted as though there was a God he put his belief into action and went with it. Uh, There's an old story which illustrates the difference between belief and trust. There was once a uh, tightrope walker named Blondin, and he pulled up a tightrope across the top of the Niagara Falls and told everybody he was going to push a wheelbarrow across the tightrope, across the top of the Niagara Falls. And the journalists were there, and one of the journalists came up to him and was asking him some questions, and Blondin pushed back and finally said, I've got a question for you, do you believe that I can push this wheelbarrow on a tightrope across the top of Niagara Falls. And the journalist thought for a moment and went, yeah, I believe you can. And then Blondin said, okay, then, get into the wheelbarrow. And that illustrates the difference between believing something and trusting something. And the word in the Bible is not the belief of, I believe you can, climb, you can get across Niagara Falls on a wheelbarrow. The belief in the Bible is, I'm getting into the wheelbarrow. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God's word to be true. And that's the the faith that Abraham has. And the incredible thing is that that faith is credited, calculated, estimated to be righteousness in God's eyes. Now, Abraham was far from righteous, when you read through the book of Genesis, he makes lots of bad mistakes. He makes the same mistake over and over again. Does that remind you of anybody? He's not righteous, but because he had faith in the unseen God, that faith was credited to him as righteousness. And when God looked at him, he saw righteous, a righteous man with whom God could have a relationship. Next few chapters in the story from from chapters uh, 15, 16, 17. Tell a story, it's a sad story. One of the first mistakes or one of the mistakes that we read about in Abraham's life is that God has said to him, trust trust me, trust me, I'm going to give you a son who will be your heir. But after a couple of years of waiting, Abraham's faith gives out and, and he instead takes the handmaiden of his wife and conceives a son named Ishmael. And then there's this whole tragic situation where Abraham, because of the tensions in the family, is forced to send this, this poor woman out into the desert with her son, presumably to die. Uh, God comes in and rescues Hagar and, and Ishmael, but it's, it's a mess. And it's a sign of, you know, it's, it's Abraham being unrighteous, but still trusting eventually and having that righteousness credited to him as always faith credited him as righteousness. And then the joy of the birth of, Isa- of Isaac in chapter 21. So at the, in her 90s, Abraham's wife gives birth, Sarah gives birth to a son. And we've just uh, had our first grand- grandchild. So lots of joy in, in our family. But imagine the joy in the camp of Abraham when a woman in her 90s gives birth to to a child. And you can imagine how treasured that child was and how celebrated in this extended family an heir to Abraham was. But then in chapter 22, which is our main focus this morning, and if the Bible has a soundtrack, this is the part where it goes, dun-dun. Sometime after that, God tested Abram. The word tested there carries with it the idea of, of testing the value of something. So it's not, just, it's not like an examination. It's, it's, a, it's a proving of the value of something. And so God wanted to prove the value of Abraham's faith. And so we read in, verse, in chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Take your son. If, if God had said to Abraham, take your son and sacrifice him, well, Abraham might have been able to chase after Hagar and Ishmael and bring Ishmael back and and sacrifice him. But God's very, very, very specific here. Take your son, the son you love, Isaac, just in case there's any doubt, Isaac, and take him and sacrifice him. Now, child sacrifice was relatively common in Canaan at that time. But over the years... Abraham had got to get to know this God who spoke to him out of nowhere. And he'd come to trust this God who spoke to him out of nowhere. And I reckon this would have been right out of character. That Abraham would have been going, this is not, this is not the God I, I thought I knew who would ask me to, to sacrifice my son. But Abraham obeys, says verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up And loaded his donkey. You know, some of the commentators when they when they read that bit early the next morning, they they put, Abraham, full of faith, rose early in order to fulfil God's will for his life. What a load of rubbish. Abraham got up early because he hadn't slept all night. All night he'd been tossing and saying, God, why are you asking me to kill my son? He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. I reckon there's a little clue in there as well. Abraham is a wealthy man by this point. God had blessed him because of his trust in him. So he was blessed and wealthy. He could have ordered his servants to go and cut the wood. But I think this is all part of the anxiety. Abraham can't sleep. Abraham gets up in the early morning. He gets that axe and he smashes that timber to pieces. All the time crying, God, why are you asking me to do this? So there was lots of kindling that got loaded on the donkey that morning. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it. Actually, back to verse 4. Go back to verse 3. Early The next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, took with him his two servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set it out for the place that God had told him. On the third day, so it wasn't a, just pop across the river and sacrifice your son. That would have been bad enough, wouldn't it, to be able to, to have to walk with your son to sacrifice him somewhere. Three days, three days of, of agony. You mean, you've seen the movie "The Green Mile." That's, uh, that's about the fact that there's a, there's a mile between where the condemned prisoners had their cells to the execution room the green mile where they would walk, knowing that execution awaited them. Well, this is a three-day green mile as Abraham walks with his son, as he knows he's going to kill him. He said to the servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Why didn't Abraham want the servants to go with him? Because they knew they might try and stop him from doing what he knew he was going to do. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, the son I love, Isaac. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Good question. Abraham answered God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, I hope. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up. And there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The three great faiths of the world, Judaism, Christianity and Islam, all trace their roots back to this Chaldean nomad who first heard the voice of the invisible God and trusted him. And the reason Abraham is so important is because of the example he sets the standard he sets that we look at and admire of what faith in God looks like. And particularly in Genesis 22, this test of faith, this this proving of the faith that Abraham was beginning to grasp, would he trust in the invisible God or would he trust in the tangible reality of his son? Would he trust in the giver of the gift Or would he trust in the gift itself? Would he trust God even when it seemed that God was working against him? And the answer was, incredibly, this great man of God who we stand in the tradition of trusted God in that circumstance... And so we who also trust in this unseen God who speaks to us walk in the footsteps of Abraham, the first man of faith. But the context of this event in Genesis 22 is also very important. You might remember that Abraham was sent to a place called Mount Moriah, which is in the Judean highlands. And it's actually one of three hills that are in parallel with one another. Mount Zion, Mount Moriah, and Mount of Olives are three parallel hills. And in the period after Abraham, a city was built there. And the city's name is Jerusalem, one of the oldest cities in in the world, which still exists there. And uh, over time, that city became the capital of Israel. And in, in 2 Chronicles 3, chapter verse 1, we read that Solomon, David's great son, uh, built a temple to the Lord in the middle of Jerusalem. And he actually built the holy of holy place right on top of Mount Moriah, the place where Abraham had offered Isaac as a sacrifice. And so in those days, the temple was there and you would would go into the temple and you'd go through the curtain and through the Holy of Holy area and then into the Holy of Holy areas where the priest went once a year and you would walk in there and there was the top of Mount Moriah with the Ark of the Covenant, the place of mercy, the place of atonement, sitting on top of Mount Moriah. Another thousand years later, another son followed his father to Mount Moriah. 2,000 years after Abraham took Isaac up to the top of Moriah to sacrifice him, Jesus walked into Jerusalem in order to lay down his life for his people. And the parallels between the almost sacrifice of Isaac and the sacrifice of Jesus are quite uncanny. For both Isaac and Jesus, the period between the promise of their birth and their fulfillment was lengthy. Both Isaac and Jesus were named before they were born. For both Isaac and for Jesus, the birth was very unlikely. In Sarah's case, she was in her nineties. In Jesus's case, Mary was a virgin. Both Jesus and Isaac were taken to their place of execution by a donkey. Both Isaac and Jesus were accompanied by two men to their death the servants of Abraham and the two thieves. Both Isaac and Jesus carried the wood upon which they would be executed to their place of execution both Isaac and Jesus were bound as they were placed upon the wood upon which they would die. In the case of Isaac, the sacrificial lamb was caught by its horn in a bush of thorns. In the case of Jesus, a crown of thorns was placed upon his head. Both Jesus and and Isaac were executed, or about to be executed, on the crest of Mount Moriah. But in the case of Jesus, nobody called. Stop! Mount Moriah's still there. In 2012, Lynette and I had the incredible privilege of of travelling to to Israel. And one of the places you can go to is what's called the Dome of the Rock, which is right in the middle of Jerusalem where the the old temple would have been but uh, but during the Turkish occupation of Jerusalem in the 15th century they built a mosque over the top of Mount Moriah. But if you are a Muslim uh, you can go into the Dome of the Rock, this mosque, and when you go inside perhaps expecting to see a tiled floor what you actually see is quite surprising you see just a bit of bare rock. You see the top of Mount Moriah, the place where the Muslims believe that Muhammad ascended from, but which we as Christians and the Jews believe is the place where Isaac was offered to God. And as you step out of the mosque and walk a a few hundred metres, you can look across the city and see the place called the skull or what's believed to be the place of Gomorrah. And you have many emotions and experiences as you, you walk through the, the land of Israel, but, but for me, one of the most memorable was, as I, as I turned from looking at the Dome of the Rock and thinking about Mount Moriah and then looking across to the place where Jesus was crucified, just this sense of being part of God's big story. This story that God began 4,000 years ago by speaking words to this Chaldean nomad, a man who responded in faith and set in process this incredible story that stretches for thousands and thousands of years and which catches up all of the people in the world who would trust in this unseen God and is consummated in the sacrifice of Christ whereby people are set free from sin and restored to true relationship, where righteousness is passed on to those who believe in this God. I think Paul was a bit caught up in this this same sense of being part of this incredible story of God when he writes to the Galatians. And so he says, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, including Australia. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. As we stand at the beginning of 2022 and look forward and perhaps are setting some, as the video suggested, setting some goals and some priorities for for the year ahead... Uh, many of us will be looking to hear the voice of God. And like Abraham, we'll be saying, yeah, God, God, speak, oh God, I want to hear you. And we might not hear voices in our head, particularly if we stay away from the fruit men's pies, but we do have the word of God. And we have mentors and we have teachers and we have people who will help us to be able to hear God's voice as we look forward. But, but mainly the message that God will have for you this year is trust in me. Trust in me like Abraham trusts in me. And it could be that you have to come to the point of trusting in God for your salvation. It could be that you have been trying to save yourself through your own efforts. And the first and most important thing you can do as a follower of Abraham is to trust in God for your salvation. But it could also be that God is now calling you to live with faith in your front lines. In your workplaces, in your clubs, in the places where you mix with non Christians, God is calling you to trust in Him. The way that Abraham trusted in Him in walking out into the unknown. For some of you, God will be calling you to be faithful to Him in the testing. It may be you're already in that experiencing of testing, those three days of hell, walking to Mount Moriah. But more than likely during 2022, you will have another time of testing. God will be asking you to to demonstrate to yourself the value of your faith, the genuineness of your faith, the reliability, the trustworthiness of your faith. And he will put you to the test. And he'll be wanting you to trust him, just like Abraham trusted him. There's a little kid song, which I think has a lot of profound theology in it. Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons has Father Abraham. You are one of them, and so am I. So let's all praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the incredible example of our Father in faith. Abraham. We thank you for this man who had no Bible, no community, no teaching, nothing but your voice, and that he responded with such trust and faith in you. And Father, in 2022, we want to follow in the footsteps of our father Abraham. Some people need to put their trust in him for their salvation. Others need to put their trust in in you on our front lines. Some of us need to put our trust in you in the middle of a testing time. Lord, bring to mind the example of Abraham. Bring to us the encouragement of our community of faith. And Lord, we pray that we will come through 2022 walking in the footsteps of Abraham, the man of God. Amen.